Hey, Corner Office listeners, you can find us on all streaming platforms such as Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, make sure to check out our Instagram at the Corner Office Pod. Now, enjoy this episode. to another episode of the corner office we finally get here on a national tuesday it's been a while since we we've gone to the regular schedule of programming but um you know now that my basketball season is starting to wind down and i don't have as many tuesday games we're going to be going back to the regular tuesday thursday upload i think for the most part going forward um and we're excited to be back there's a lot that's gone on in the basketball scene over the past 24 hours again as we near the trade deadline and i'm excited to get right into it yeah, I am too, and we're going to start with a little NBA talk, and then, contrary to our normal NFL schedule, we're actually going to do a little bit of NFL recap today to close out the episode, because a lot has happened in the NBA, but at the end of the day, it's just another week in the NBA midseason. There's not that much to talk about, and we have to cherish these last couple weeks of NFL while we have them. So, before we get to that, I think we have to start with the biggest news that has come out today, which actually has a lot of people scratching their heads around the NBA world. And that, of course, is the firing of the Milwaukee Bucks head coach, Adrian Griffin. So, Alex, yeah. I want to hear your take on this one. I think it's a little strange, a little bit out of left field, and I know that they had their troubles, that being the roster and the coach at the beginning of the season, but even then, for a team that's in second place, it just seems a little uncharacteristic. So talk to me about what your initial thoughts of this trade are. Yeah, I mean, it, it it does seem a bit unprecedented to fire a coach who went 30-13 and 13 in their first couple games. Um, I think the initial argument that you could make to, to, counter, to counteract that is you could say, well, you know, when you have probably one of the top three players in the NBA right now to pair with Damian Lillard, who's also, you know, probably a top 25 player in the NBA, if not higher than that, um, you're going to win games. And I think that's true, but I also think that like this team, however composed for winning they are, um, still needs good coaching. And I feel like they've gotten good coaching this year from from Adrian Griffin Sr. Like I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get how you can fire a coach who has done the, this well thus far. Um, you know, just in the middle of the season with no real explanation as to why that is. You know, I feel like with with um, it reminds me a lot of of like the and, and I don't want to you know start any rumors or anything like that, but like when the Celtics fired Ime Udoka, it was because of personal issues, you know, within the locker room, um, or not even within the locker room, like within the front office and stuff like that, um, where like. He, he made some life decisions that kind of inhibited his um, his ability to be the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Um, and that's like really the only reason that I would see a coach get fired like this after doing so well thus far. Um, because I really don't see who you're going to get that's going to do a better job than Adrian Griffin has done thus far. 
That's yeah, that's my initial take. And for me, it's it's. I actually don't really agree with what you're saying. I don't see anything personal coming out of this matter right now. I don't think that it's an inappropriate work conduct story no, I don't, as I don't much either. as I don't think that's it at all. That's I, all I was saying was like that's the only scenario that like I could think that of makes sense to you. A, yeah. A, a, okay. A, a coach being fired over in the middle of the season after going uh, 30 and 13. Okay. So for me, this reminds me a lot of 2016 when the Cleveland Cavaliers fired their head coach midseason at a, a very similar record to what uh, Adrian Griffin had the Bucks at right now. Yeah. Just because LeBron James didn't like him. And who did they hire? Tyron Lue, who ended up winning a championship for them. So right. for me, it seems a lot more similar to that. And I think that that reasoning makes a lot more sense to me having it be a players, and by players I mean Giannis Antetokounmpo, isn't really getting along with Adrian Griffin and doesn't really like him and goes to the front office and says, I don't like this guy. We need to find someone new. And for me, I think it's a bad move. I don't like it. I'm a big fan of Adrian Griffin. I was a really big fan of what he did in Toronto, being an assistant coach for that championship-winning franchise. And I honestly thought that he was doing a good job with this Milwaukee Bucks team. But obviously, at the start of the season, they did have their um struggles I will say in the locker room because Adrian Griffin came into Milwaukee and the first thing he did was say all right we're gonna lose Mike Budenholzer's defensive scheme and we're gonna implant our new one and that lasted for about 10 games when the Milwaukee Bucks were the worst defensive team in the NBA right and then the players went to him and said we don't want to do this anymore. We want to go back to what we did before. And then they did and remained one of the worst defensive teams in the league. So I think that a lot of fingers were pointed on him because of that, even though I don't necessarily think that that was his fault. And the Milwaukee Bucks aren't in a bad position, but I think that in their minds they're underperforming and don't think that where they are right now that they can beat a team like the Boston Celtics, like the Philadelphia 76ers. And I don't necessarily disagree with them. But how much of that fault goes on the coach yeah I look I think that's a very good point I mean most of the reports that are coming out is just um that like the players specifically Giannis Antetokounmpo who is your franchise player and has been for the past you know however long he's been in the league aside from his rookie season um just lost faith in the head coach um which I, I it's, it's a very quick bit, to lose faith in odd. the head coach by now it's no? odd isn't it and it's not like you weren't successful Right, like you're winning games, you're you've played. I would actually say that based on their based on their roster construction, I would say that they're overperforming this season. This roster, top to bottom, is not as necessarily threatening as they have been in past years. I don't think about it. I think they're performing to expectations, though. I mean, depth-wise, they don't have the same depth that they have had in past years. So for them to expect to be keeping up with the Boston Celtics right now, I think is inhumane and I think that the fact that they're above the 76ers is overperforming okay okay I I disagree I think they're performing exactly how you expected them to Uh, especially after the Drew Holiday move I think everyone expected Boston to be one and Milwaukee to be two in the east and that's held true thus far um that's held true thus far I mean they still have a lot of depth like guys like Andre Jackson and Marjan Bochamp on their bench and Pat Connaughton sometimes he sometimes starts and uh, Malik Beasley 
has yeah, so like, become one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA. So they have a lot of depth on that squad to go along with the fact that you have Giannis and Chris Middleton, who has Brooke significantly Lopez. taken a dip, uh, Brooke Lopez, um, and Damian Lillard on your roster. Like, I think they're performing up to expectations thus far. And, you know, to lose faith in your head coach at this stage of the season seems strange. Like... For winning games, you know, like the Los Angeles Lakers have lost faith in Darvin Ham, and that's came out a lot. Um, and he'll probably be fired soon as well. But like, they're the ten seed in the in the West, I think, right now. You know, like that makes sense to me, right? Like, if if you're not winning games with the roster construction that you have, then you can lose faith in your head coach. But like, after going thirty and thirteen, I don't see any reason that your coach should even be on the hot seat. You know what I mean? Yeah, so let me ask you a quick question. And that is, who do you think so far this season is the leading candidate for Coach of the Year? Thus far? Uh, I w- do you think that it's between the well, Thunder and the Timberwolves? Missoula's up there. Missoula's certainly up there um, for that Celtics squad. Um, I think like, it's between Mark Dagnalt for... The Oklahoma City Thunder, right? I, I don't think that's I don't think that's crazy. No, that's I think that's a good take. I don't Who's, think anybody expected the Thunder or the Wolves to be as good as they are. Right. So I would say that it is between those two teams right now, and the Minnesota Timberwolves' record: thirty yeah. and thirteen. I mean, you the have Thunder's you have record: the, twenty-nine and thirteen. Like those, he's putting up Coach of the Year numbers. It probably, it probably, right now, if you were to stop the season, the coach of the year would probably be Chris Finch um, of the Minnesota Timberwolves just because of, like, you know, the, the progression that they've had from last year to this year. And I think right. that Mark Dagnalt would also, I think your top three would be Dagnalt, Chris Finch, and Missoula. So, from a pure winning per- percentage perspective, and obviously, like, r- roster plays into it in terms of coach of the year. And yeah. there's more to a basketball team than just coaching. But you can't just disregard the record. The Bucks are 30-13, and 13, which would be leading yep. the West right now. Right. Right. So I, I personally think it's a little harsh, and I'm not a person who likes to see front offices cave to their best player, uh-huh. which is, I think, what we saw last season when Doc Rivers was fired from Philadelphia oh, with Joel know. Embiid. I don't, don't know. I think I think blowing as many three two series leads as Doc I agree. Rivers I agree. But there has been there has been tension scores. between Embiid and Doc Rivers for a long time. Yeah, it happened. I didn't like it when it happened in Cleveland, even though it turned out to be the right move. And I don't like it here. I I, and this is just a good segue into our next topic, which is uh-huh. the people who are available on the coaching market right now. Who do you think that you're going to get? Who will do better with this team? than what Adrian Griffin has done thus far. I I can't think of a coach that will do better. I can't. Um, obviously, like, you, you're going to look at Doc Rivers. He's probably the most prominent coach in the league without a job right now. Um, and then maybe you look at, like, Nate McMillan. Like, the, the reports... The reports of the candidates out right now are Doc Rivers, Jeff Van Gundy, and Nate McMillan. Jeff Van Gundy hasn't coached basketball in like seven years because he was an ESPN, you know, announcer. But he has been taken off the he has been taken off the commentary crew in ESPN. Yeah, I agree, and I don't love that move. 
Um, but like ESPN is getting harder to watch yeah. every time they change up the commentary. Yeah. Like it, it, Mike Breen, Mark Jackson, and Jeff Van Gundy was a power trio. That was a good trio. I they were actually keeping up with TNT, which is hard to do. But now that it's Mark Davis and Doris Burke on the one, and don't get me wrong, I love JJ Redick. I don't think he's as good of a commentator as Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy. Yeah, I mean, so hey, I don't that, like that either. A little he, bit of a side way, tangent there. But Jeff yeah. Van Gundy has not coached since 2007. It's been okay. 15 so years, a, that's a 16 while. years. Yeah, that's a while. For him to be in consideration to be the next head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, like that's that's a bit absurd to me. The Another huge thing with this whole situation is like in, in the preseason when they were hiring a head coach, Giannis didn't want Nick Nurse, who to me is one of the best coaches in the NBA. I, mean, I don't, I don't, I think Sixers that's a non-negotiable. Right if your team can get Nick Nurse, there's a very small list of coaches out there who I would want over him. I agree. I agree. And Giannis said no to him to get Adrian Griffin the job. So what happened in those couple of, you know, what happened over the past couple months that has changed his entire outlook of having faith in his head coach? And now Nick Nurse is having success, you know, in Philadelphia with a team that in the beginning of the season, I don't think anybody thought was going to be, you know, a true contender without James Harden. I still don't think that they are as good talent-wise as the Milwaukee Bucks. Definitely not. Definitely not. But they've been super successful because their coaching is fantastic because Nick Nurse is one of the best coaches in the NBA. He's a top-five coach in the NBA, um, in my opinion. You know? Agreed. So, like, that's a guy that you could have on your roster. Maybe that gets you another win or two. If you decide to hire him, I certainly think he's better than the three candidates you have now. I think the obvious choice, though, is you pick Doc Rivers, who has, you know, at least some history of winning in this league, um, even though when it comes to the playoffs as of late, he has been lackluster, you know. Well, but I how think... much of that is on the roster as well? Like, I understand that he is known. Like, I, again, I've been a Celtics fan my entire life. As a Celtics fan, we have blown multiple series under Doc Rivers. I'm not an yeah. apologist for his success, but at the same time, I think that in those moments, a lot of the time the coach is used as a scapegoat for players underperforming because we've seen Chris Paul do it away from the Clippers. And who knows, maybe we will see the 76ers do it again this year. I don't know. When, you, when you've when you done it four times as a head coach, people start to like raise their eyebrows, I think, you know? I mean, I, I agree. And I'm not, again, I'm not apologizing for Doc Rivers. No, no, no. You don't but have to. Especially yeah, not, in the I'm case of the 76ers, I think that he caught too much slack for how bad they were. Because watching those games, they made a lot of great adjustments to what Missoula was throwing at them. And I, I wasn't looking at it being like, okay, you can pin that on Doc Rivers. Yeah. Like the fact that Embiid averaged about 21 points that entire Celtics series, I didn't look at. Doc Rivers and be like, that's your fault because he's not on the floor. Yep. yep. Another side tangent. Sorry. No, no, no. That's fine. I look. <laughs> totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. I just, I think out of the candidates that have been announced, he is the most likely candidate. Yeah, and yeah. I think I also think that he's the best. Like. As much as you want to fault him for not having playoff success, the fact that he consistently gets teams to the playoffs and yeah. 
even advances a series, like I think a lot of NBA franchises would rather be there than a I mean, first round exit to the eight seed, which is what the Bucks did last season. I don't know how many unsuccessful teams he has rebuilt. You know, he's kind of always had star players to work with. Which is why um, he's perfect for this position. Because he's yeah. been in situations like this before. Yeah, I don't I don't think Nate McMillan would be a good hire for the Bucks. Um he couldn't get it done in Atlanta. Mm. And you know, I mean, obviously their roster construction was a lot worse than the Bucks's, but um, I actually I thought I, that he gave us a good series last year. Nate McMillan? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right, but I don't know. I, I just I don't see them signing anybody but Doc Rivers, but they do need to make a decision quickly because it, it's the middle of the season. You know what I mean? They didn't even wait until, like, the All-Star break where they could, like, interview people more so. You know, it's now. Like, it happened now. I also think that they're – like, the timing of this is really just the most shocking part because, again, even though I've trashed every single thing about this move, there you can still understand why it happened, especially if the players are unhappy because at the end of the day they come first. But, like, now they have to they have to do it quickly and then they have to just assume that this team is automatically going to like the new coach – that they're automatically going to gel into this team that right. keeps up with the Celtics at that number one seed. Yep. And like I think that if you're the Bucks, you have to expect a drop off. Mm-hmm. And I would be very surprised if they just got it together. Not that that not to say that that couldn't happen. I would be surprised if they got it together immediately and didn't see a bit of a dip in their production under this new coach. Well, I mean, you're going to have to learn a whole new system, especially depending exactly. on who you bring in. And if you're bringing in someone who maybe has a different style like they brought in adrian griffin and was like do the exact same thing but switch up the defense and 10 games in the team was like we don't want to switch up the defense what the hell was the point of you getting a new coach if you're going to say no we're not going to do what you tell us is that going to happen again with whoever they pick up now well van gundy's a more defensive minded coach i don't think he will fit um with them but I'm. I'm. He also hasn't coached in 17 go. seasons. Yeah, there's. I don't. That's. An, I, I just can't see him being. You know the right answer to to this question. Um, but th- look, there's a lot of questions that can't be answered until we get more. You know, more is released on the situation. I'd love to see Adrian Griffin's official statement, um, as to like why this happened. But. Yeah, it's 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 really mind-boggling to me. All the the entire thing, the timing of it, the firing, the fact that they're winning, um all of it doesn't really make much sense to me. And I also didn't hear that much about like beforehand about um you know, about the 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 roster being upset with Adrian Griffin. Like that wasn't something that was like out in the media. It was at the beginning of the season. Okay. Just defensively though. Yeah. And, like, they have played the Pistons in the last two games, and they gave up 135 points in one of those. But Adrian Griffin's not on the floor. Like, he's not playing those minutes. That's why I think that too much of this blame is being put on him. And what blame is there even to dish out? They would be the number one seed in the Western Conference. And if the Celtics didn't have five All-Stars on their team, they would be number one in the Eastern Conference. So... Mm. Why is there so much blame being thrown on him for a failed project when they're second in the Eastern Conference? I just don't get it. And I'm a big Adrian Griffin fan. Yeah. Like, I, I started the episode by saying that. His son played at Duke. Like, you don't have an option but to be a big Adrian Griffin fan. 
And yeah, I agree. I just don't think that he was given a fair shot. And for him to have his first head coaching gig go this way when it isn't necessarily all his fault is very disappointing to see from like a fan's perspective. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. But maybe I'm the Celtics. Maybe the Celtics will pick him up as like a bench consultant, so he can give us all their secrets when we inevitably play them in the ECF. That would be nice. I actually don't hate that at all. I don't hate that at all. Um, I could also see him going to head coach the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh yeah, I could see that too. I don't think uh, Darwin Ham is there to stay. No, nope, me either. Me either. Especially if they can't write the ship, but. Um, yeah, it's an interesting situation. It's one that we haven't seen in a very long time. And, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how it how it goes. You, you want to talk about the Lakers real quick? I know that sure, we're me. probably not going to do 15-second roundup this week because no, we won't do we're it. kind That's of fine. doing it right now. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk about the Lakers while we're here. Go ahead. So they have had a really bad stretch of games. They are now sitting at, give me Nine one seed. second. Nine seed. Nine seed. Yep. With a twenty two and twenty two record. So they're eight and a half excuse me, eight and a half games out of first place. Yep. I actually think that this Western Conference is still very competitive. Especially yeah, that five to ten seed. Look, it's only I, like a five game difference. And I, I think I that think this Lakers team will do what they have done the past few years and get like figure something out Limp around the deadline. The playoffs, yeah. Maybe Look, get like a Terry Rozier, or a, I'm sorry, a Kyle Lowry, who the Hornets are now looking to sell before yep. the deadline, and maybe someone like that who can just be a glue guy and keep them from falling apart, which seems to be their problem. Yeah. I, look, I, I, th- I feel like, um, if the Lakers get the eight seed in the playoffs and they have to play a team like the T Wolves, I'm taking the Lakers. You know, that's just – that's how I feel about them. I still think they're very dangerous. They have so many weapons on the squad that they just they just haven't been able to put it together this year thus far. But, like, um, get LeBron James in the playoffs, and I'm probably going to pick them to win. Yeah, I don't know. This this T-Wolves team does, like – they'll be they great good. one night, and they'll have, they'll have nights like last night where Cat will put up 62 points. Yeah. And they'll lose to the Hornets. Yep. Did you see that there was 10 missed calls in the last minute and a half of the game or something well, like I that? Well, I saw that they had to pull him in the fourth quarter because he was just trying to go for the record. Yeah. And was the last the last play of that game was one of the worst missed calls I think I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, like it was bad officiating for sure. I don't understand why and maybe this is just like the old head like I'm sorry, I got to sneeze. <laughs> There you go. Sorry about that. Nope. It's all um, good. Yeah, so maybe it's just, like, the old head in me, but, like, why can't you review everything? Why can't you yeah. review referees' calls whenever you want? I don't know. I think it would just... It's the same the argument down. for football. Like, why can't, in the last, like, five minutes of the game, why can't you review a pass interference call? I, I, I just... I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you to a certain extent, but I also think that, like... The NBA is such a league where there's so much complaining that goes on that, like, it would just make the game so hard to watch if they had to review every little thing that happened. No, you know I just I mean? mean, like, end-of-game scenarios where the game is decided by a really bad call like last night. Yeah. Like, yeah. they should be able to, within, like, the last two minutes of the game, but they you should also, be able to but, 
but you also don't want it to be like a ticky tack foul that's technically a foul in the last minute or so. That, right, but like, like we watched the Celtics play the Pacers about a week and a half ago, yeah. and Jalen Brown was clearly fouled. He was like hit on the head while shooting a jump shot from behind, which is clearly a foul. I mean, we won and the game, but yeah. No, we lost the game. To the Pistons, would you say? The Pacers, to the Pacers. Pacers, oh, sorry. And yeah, we, did lose we lost game, yep. because he wasn't allowed to go to the line, and then a landing space call was called yeah, on Porzingis. Yep. So, like, there have been numerous games throughout this year where, and I don't even, like, necessarily disagree with what happened, but I'm just saying, in those situations, in order to avoid all this backlash that we've seen about refereeing in big moments across leagues, across sports, I think that they should start doing that. <laughs> okay. I don't know how they would implement that, but... um. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think it's a bad idea. All right, well, that's all I've got on this topic. I've gotten some steam out. Okay. Okay, we can move on. Yeah, let's move on. You want to you wanna do some more NBA or do you want to do a little NFL? We can save the NFL for tomorrow or two days. Yeah, we can. I'm watching the uh, Duke-Louisville game right now. and Is it close? It's a 10-point game. Okay. I was going to say, actually it should not be close. You want to yeah. talk about Duke basketball? If you would like to blow off some steam, you're welcome to. <laughs> Just like, what's, what's happening? Why do we keep losing to Georgia Tech and Pitt? Well, I mean, 13-4. and four, They should not have lost to Pitt. That was a bad game. Uh, if you play at home in college basketball, you should win. Um, uh, Georgia Tech is deceivingly not as bad as they look right now. Well, like, I think that Damon Stoudemire is a great coach. Yeah, I agree. And he's a Celtic. He was on the Celtics coaching staff for the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, and I think that they're a trap game. Um, and Duke did beat them at home. Like, losing to them on the road is tough. But it was a very close game at home. We beat them by like yeah. four points at home. Yeah, I mean, they, I don't think this Duke team is is bad by any means. I think they'll be dangerous in March, and I just don't think. I think that they. They've struggled by taking some games off thus far. But they have some quality wins this year. I mean, beating Baylor was a quality win for them. Um, Michigan State, I still think, is a quality win for them. Um, Uh, Did lose to Arizona. Yep. Who's also a top 15 team, but, you know, it's all relative. It's all relative, I think. Um, I think they'll be fine come March, though. I think that I think the ACC championship will be between them and UNC, and I think UNC is one of the best teams in the country right now. Well, Clemson was very good for a very long time at the beginning of the season. And They've started off to a fall bit. off. Yeah, they fell but off. But there have been a couple of teams that have really impressed me in the ACC. Virginia Tech always means business when it comes to the ACC tournament. They actually beat us in the final two seasons ago. Yep, and. Even teams like Syracuse have been pretty decent so far this season. Yeah, Syracuse Florida been good. State's been good. NC State's been good. Wake Forest has been good. I think that this is a season where you can s- expect to see a very competitive ACC tournament. And I was looking at tickets. It's in D.C. this year in the Capital One Arena. I might try and go to the first session and watch some of those games. Hopefully I can pump some content out then. Mm, but That'd be nice. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to catch a Duke game. But yeah. I'm just excited to go watch some of those games. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree. But, I mean, look, they should get a win tonight, and if, hopefully they'll turn this into a little bit of a streak before they have to go on the road and play UNC, which will be a tough game. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. We'll see with this Duke team. I, I, can't, I, I, I don't really have much of a take on them right now. They're just – they seem to be fine, you know. They don't seem to be the best team I've ever seen. They they might get the one seed in the tournament if all goes correctly. They seem to be doing fine. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think that there have been some overreactions. Obviously, we were listed as the preseason number two behind Kansas. We and were either two or f- – yeah, we were in the top four for sure. Um, And, I mean, numerically have been a little disappointing this season, but – we're also a team that can break off five or six, seven wins down the stretch in conference play. I agree. In order to right this ship. And it's a very experienced roster. When some guys are a little lackluster on one night, other guys will pick it up. Kyle Filipowski tonight has not been playing his best game. He only had like four points at halftime. Let me check his statistics right now. He has nine points. However, he does have 11 rebounds. But Mark Mitchell has 20. Proctor has 24. So other guys have been stepping up, especially the guys who were there for the tournament run last season. Mm. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, that's Duke basketball right now. They're going to need big contributions from guys like Kyle Filipowski down the stretch. He's definitely been their best player. Uh, Tyrese Proctor, I don't think, has taken the step that we were expecting him to. Um, But, yeah, like that's that's – that's basically how, how Duke basketball is going to run. If Kyle Filipowski isn't having a good game, they're going to struggle. And I think most of the teams in the ACC are going to try and limit him because he is looking like an All-American this year, either first or second team. So we'll just have to wait and see. College basketball is such a finicky sport because it's so it's so heavily reliant on can you go win on the road? Can you win games at home that you need to win? Can you get ranked wins? Can you get quad one wins? Like all those things go into what's going to be in March. And once you get to March, anything can happen, you know, which is why it's such a riveting thing to watch right now. Um, right. But it's I also think- like the, the, the average college sport watcher is probably watching college football first. And in college football, the best teams win every run. single game. Yeah. However, that is just unrealistic in college basketball because anything can happen ever. So even the best teams well, will lose a couple a lot games. More games. We also we also watched that weekend where like five of the top seven teams lost in one weekend, and that can happen anytime. Right. So it's never safe. You have to go in every game being like, Well, this could really, really affect our standing come Monday when the new rankings come out and especially come tournament time. Yeah, I think the ACC will be very competitive this year. I think the Big East is probably the most competitive league right now and kind of always are. You know, Big East basketball is always um Maybe not the most talented, deal. definitely the most competitive. Yeah, it's also, super Big competitive Ten, every Big year. Ten basketball is back this year. Agreed. Wisconsin is ranked number 13 right now. Mm-hmm. Purdue is ranked number one. Number two. They're number, number two. two. UConn's number one. But right. I think they're the best team in the country. Um. But, yeah, I mean, college basketball is is always fun to watch. There's always some storyline going on. And, you know, once we get to – I'm looking forward to getting to March so that we can talk a lot about college basketball when we get down the stretch there. But Me too. um, Once the NFL season's over is kind of when we switch on, and that was actually our first episode last year Right. uh, around this time was the switch from the Super Bowl to 
college basketball season. Yeah. So, I mean, to swivel back to the NBA really quickly, the only real trade that happened in the past 24 hours was that of Terry Rozier to the Miami Heat in exchange for Kyle Lowry. Did a pick go with Kyle Lowry to the Hornets? I'm not sure. I did not see. I believe a pick went. There was a pick involved somewhere within that trade. Um, Give me your thoughts on it. Oh, 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 2027 first rounder. To where? Uh, The Hornets. Okay. So Kyle Lowry and a pick went to the Hornets in exchange for Terry Rozier. Give me your take on this. Do you think that this trade makes the Miami Heat that much better? I think it does make them that much better. I don't think it makes them that much better to take them to the upper echelon of the teams in the East right now. However, Terry Rozier is a guy who's bringing about 20 points a game and a facilitator role. He's a guy who can get seven assists, eight assists on any given night. So... That's something that Kyle Lowry doesn't bring you, maybe maybe just because of his age, because he's a veteran. But I think that this elevates the Heat. Something about the Heat that has been really unexpected but really good for their franchise, almost like a saving grace, is the development of Jaime Jaquez yeah. this season. He's developed into a great role player who, if he keeps developing at the rate that he does, will be the next face of that team. And he has been really, really quality so far this season. And who knows, maybe bringing in a guy like Scary Terry is what can make this Heat team go on a run like they did last year. It's possible. Um, I'm interested to see how he does in limited minutes because I don't think he'll play as much as he did in um, Charlotte. But that being said, on the Charlotte perspective, getting a guy like Kyle Lowry with some veteran leadership I don't think is a bad thing for your team, even though you're looking to they're moving for probably yeah, more picks. They're um, moving him at the deadline. Okay, so I mean, hopefully you can get some more picks if you're their front office, but this move doesn't really do anything for you aside get uh, Terry Rozier's money off of your books. Um, And for me, I I just don't think this trade makes Miami that much better. Um, I think that Terry Rozier is a fine player on a bad team. I don't know what he can do on a good team. I haven't seen him on a good team since he played for that, what, 2019 Boston Celtics team? But what did he do on that team when Kyrie was absent? Yeah, I mean, he performed very well, but that was five or six years ago, you know, when he was doing that. Um, So it's another one of those trades where it just doesn't really move the needle either way for me. And, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll get some more interesting trades coming up at the deadline as we get closer to the end of um the first half of the nba season yeah hopefully we will but as always thank you for listening that's going to wrap up today's episode we'll be back on thursday with some nfl action alex sneak peek i'm pretty sure i'm going to mnt stadium to tailgate the game watch bum around bum around the city of baltimore next weekend all right uh and we're going to be rolling ravens that's for sure we're a big we hate the chiefs podcast (laughs) <laughs> and, and do that video of Taylor Swift and Donna Kelsey swag surfing at the game literally made me want to Olympic style dive out of my dorm window. I'm I thought eight it was pretty up. electric, but I, I thought I, I thought it was you. really electric until until they did it. I agree with you about disliking the Chiefs. Hopefully, they will lose to the Ravens. Um, go Baltimore! Uh, and as always, whoop whoop. I'm Alex Penders. And I'm Jack Byrne. 
And this is corner the corner three. office. Oh, yeah. There you go. Corner three. Corner three. 